Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Lava Pool. I'm your host, Sam, Dr. Fidget Arsma, and mid-season showdowns are happening, regionals are done until the spring, but Pokken is the big thing Pokken? coming around. Pokken. Pokken. <laughs> Pokken. The Tekken Pokemon thing. Um, that is, of course, Toler, Dim, Web. How are you doing, sir? Sorry for jumping in so quickly there. I'm doing no. fine. No, it's quite all right. Um, our intro topic this week comes in from Steven. He asks, what is your favorite hotel brand? And, Toler, do you actually book your own hotels yet? Or um, I usually don't, but I still, I think, yeah, I, I pretty much have a favorite. Um, I'll be, it's, it's probably not, I, I think it's the Hilton's. The Hilton. I quite, I quite like staying there. Okay. Those are usually really nice. Um... I know I've enjoyed... Th- that's usually where I end up for regionals. I end up somewhere at a Hilton in some place. So, yeah, I, I go with Hilton. I was I was at a Hilton in California, and I've been to a couple of them. And they're, they look nice, but I the housekeeping has always been kind of an issue with me. Like, I had some really bad towels uh, at, at the one I went to. And also, I got a handicap room, so the, there was no bathtub. It was just a shower head over the floor in the bathroom which was kind of weird, and the carpet next to the bathroom was all kind of gross. That's different. Because of it. Yeah, it was it was weird. So, I don't know. <laughs> but was that I'm actually a... the Hilton that was that was like that? Yeah, that, that was the Hilton. Um, and this is, of course, Omari, Bad Intent. How yeah. are you? I, I'm good. My favorite hotel is the Hilton's also. That, and that's why I wonder if hey. like... Tears of Hilton's, you know what I mean? Because yeah, all the Hilton's I've been have been like uh, Taller was saying, they're like excellent, they're pristine. If I can go anywhere and I see that name and it's lower price than anything else, I'll always click that. Right. Yeah, that, that's what I thought too. Um, this was like the Hilton Anaheim, right across from Disneyland. Huh. Um, but most of the time, if there's a Hilton, there's a, also a Marriott, which is about the same quality. Marriotts usually aren't bad at all. Yeah. But I've I've never had a bad experience at a Marriott, so that is my selection. I also like the Train Hotel, whatever that was named. Oh, God. That was godlike. <laughs> I, I, I actually don't... really like the Train Hotel. I, yeah. I hear a lot of horror stories, but I quite enjoyed it. It was Me very too. comfortable. Yeah. I, I stayed at the Marriott in Indianapolis all except for, I think, one or two years. Um, the JW Marriott? The, the big tall one? The the big one that had the rotating restaurant at the very top. Oh, <laughs> that that was a very nice hotel. That one was always so, a little out of our price range. Uh, in in my that, experience, one of the first years I went, I stayed a little far away at I think it was like the Cavalier Inn or something, and there was a stain that somebody thought was blood. I'm pretty sure it wasn't blood on the wall, but it was red and still kind of gooey. And it was just the most disgusting, terrible hotel ever. So every other time I went to National, it was like, nope, I'm going to I'm gonna spend the money and not end up in that again. <laughs> I see. That makes so. sense. Hotels are a big deal for Pokemon events. You kind of, it's, it's hard to properly value the worth of a comfortable experience, but it's, it's sort of important when you're trying to be in the zone. 
Yeah, like if I'm going with a bunch of people, I don't really care and I'll sleep on a floor. It's not a big deal. But if I have to book for myself, I usually kind of go for a Marriott if there's one available. I see. We'll just be on opposite sides of that coin then. Because they really are pretty similar hotels. They are. It's just my experiences in both have been slightly different. Mm, Fair enough. Anyway, uh, on to news. The okay, you pronounce it for me. Pokin, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they have announced um, locations for regionals, nationals, and also prize support, which they have over a hundred thousand dollars in prizes going for (laughs) Pokin. Pokin, Pokin, Pokin. You can do it. I believe in you. (laughs) I can watch this. Watch you be right and us be wrong. Like watch this be the time that. It's you're just completely correct, and we think we're correcting you, but we're really just leading you astray. You know, I, I would be okay if this is the one. Yeah, it'd be pretty funny for whoever's listening. All right, so um, for the minor tournament, or I guess which would be the regional equivalent, I'm not sure. Um, we have. $1,200 plus a travel to Worlds as the first place. And 1000 for second, 750 for third, 600 for fourth, um, 450 for fifth, and 250 for seventh. That's nice. That's, that's very nice. <laughs> that's probably more than most players get for nationals at this point. Um, and as far as their nationals goes, they have three thousand plus the worlds invite for first, two thousand plus worlds travel for second. Um, third gets fifteen hundred dollars. Fourth gets a thousand. And then for worlds, the actual big event first place gets six thousand dollars cash. Uh, second place, second place four thousand. Third place three thousand. Fourth place two thousand. Uh, five and six get fifteen hundred apiece, and seventh and eighth get one thousand. So, it says also uh, that the locations were announced. Uh, yes, uh, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Um, we have. Uh, let's see. They're they're going to be at CEO in Orlando in June, uh, which is a fairly large fighting tournament for a lot of different games um they're also at evo community effort Uh, orlando evo yes shout out to jubaley um they're going to be at the pokemon u.s national championships in columbus ohio um (laughs) also we have three different national championships in europe we've got the uk may 14th through 15th um, Germany, May 21 and 22, and Italy in June 11 and 12. And then, of course, the World Championships are just going to be the same as TCG and BGC. Right, so it's joining in with the Pokemon circuit a little bit. That's interesting. Yes. That's very interesting. Um, yeah, uh, how much of the game have you guys actually seen so far? Well, I want to start just because I actually got to play it. 
Uh, okay, I, well, perfect. One of those uh, GameStop tournaments that they're doing right now, they're doing the finals for that. I went to it, The one of the qualifiers, and uh, it was like near San Francisco. But uh, I played, I only got to play two rounds because I lost in the second round. There's a, the guy I lost to actually played Naruto Ultimate Ninja Storm. And that's really interesting because he said the game basically plays like that. So if you've played the latest version of that, it's really similar. I think that's kind of a negative thing. But, yeah. you know, that, that's, that's, I have my own opinions about the over-the-shoulder 3D games. And uh, if we end up talking a little bit more about the mechanics, like, I, I can get into like why that's a problem. But um, I did play it. It's really unique. It's it's fun. I think there's a lot of logistical problems with the game. Uh, but if you have any like specific questions, I can probably answer like anything. So yeah. Okay. Um, let's start with why it being like another game is bad. Because I'm I'm not sure where you're coming from on there. All right. So check this out. Most people that play fighting games play 2D fighting games. And, you know, it's like a 2D plane and you can move left and right and stuff like that. But the, yes. the general problem with 3D fighting games... So we, let's, let's use a Tekken for an example. Tekken is a game, it's on a 2D plane in general. You can move 3D kind of, but right. like not really. There's so many moves that track and you're always like in a camera angle that both players can see the same thing at the same screen. The problem with the way that when you have like an open field is... Since it's such a far distance to get from one character to the other, there's a lot less emphasis on, like, limbs and, like, poking and trying to make your opponent's limbs whiff and then, like, whiff punishing them. And, like, the whole, like, spacing game they call it in Street Fighter, they call it footsies. That whole game is kind of, like, not there. So there's a lot less depth. There's a lot of just, like, jumping and rushing in at the opponent because uh, that's really the only way you're going to get over to the opponent. Uh because the walk speeds are really slow. And I think that takes a lot away from the depth. So what the game does instead to get you damage, since you're, it, you have to make up so much space to get to the other character, there's like a limb, or not limb, so there's a rock, paper, scissors kind of system in the game. So how it works is you have normal attacks that are just like, you know, small little buttons, like strong and weak attacks. Mm-hmm. And then there's charge attacks, which are they're actually called counter attacks. Your character starts charging up. Now, charge attacks always beat normal attacks. And throws always beat charge attacks, and normal attacks always beat throws. Now, a lot of people say that the game is similar to, like, Street Fighter and Tekken and stuff like that, but none of those games have, like, a rock-paper-scissors, like, an explicit rock-paper-scissors system. And those are the systems that you see in games like Dragon Ball Z, Tenkaichi, and Naruto Ultimate Ninja Storm. Those are systems that are really specifically made to make it as easy as possible for someone new to get into the game. But, as you can guess that like decreases the amount of depth that's in the game because it's not so much about spacing it's not so much about timing it's more about who guesses right on the rock paper scissors so i think that's why people that know naruto ultimate ninja storm and know of tenkaichi when they see pokemon they're like oh it's one of these games so i think that's not good now there's a lot of other depth to the game the projectiles are really nice and stuff like that but i think that aspect of it is not good so what do you guys think of it so far? Because I have a, some more stuff to say, but I just want to see what you guys, you know, thought. I've seen uh, a very... Oh, yeah. I, um, yeah, uh, I'll... Go ahead. <laughs> I've seen a very limited amount of Pokken so far. Um, it's interesting to me to see that they're jumping on it so quickly and trying to establish something when they don't. they haven't proven that the gameplay is 
good for spectators yet because I have a feeling like VGC has a hard enough time with spectators because we have some big chance elements that seem to play such a large role in the game. Sometimes they don't, sometimes they do. Um, stuff like people not liking Dark Void, people, whatever, all that jazz that we had earlier in the season. And we have like that RPS aspect because I had heard about that prior to uh, this. And is, is it's my understanding that if you win the RPS, that's rock, paper, scissors in the beginning of the match, then uh, you get priority when you move into a 2D version of the match or something like that. Would I be right in saying it's, that? It's similar. It's similar. Yeah. So basically, if you're if you're if you win that first exchange, then they're knocked down when you transfer over to dual phase. So yeah, basically, you're right. Okay. So you get an advantage. I I don't I don't know if it's I don't like the idea of the Pokémon World Championships. They're playing in the finals for six thousand dollars and. The commentators are screaming, oh my gosh, he knocked him down because he won the Rock, Paper, Scissors engagement. Yeah, and I, I, I agree. Now, now he's going to win the game. Because, <laughs> like, I, with. Sorry. Hey, go ahead. With, with any game at the highest competitive level, stuff going your way from a chance aspect is a big deal. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard to overstate, especially when it's significant like that, where you can. Um, position yourself and organize the game in your face. I'm not very good at fighting games. I try to be, but I kind of suck. But in any situation like that, it's it's almost scary because really high-level players can really abuse having some sort of advantage. If they don't screw up, then that can roll the game right over their opponent. Right. I think there is two aspects to this. So it could turn out to be really negative or really positive. The negative would be... Because look, this rock paper scissors aspect of the game, it doesn't go away. When you're in dual phase... The same mechanics still apply. Like it's it's not the same. Like uh, obviously spacing, right? But still, charge attacks are going to still beat normal attacks, and normal attacks are still going to beat throws. Those are still going to be charge attacks. It's still going to be the same thing. It's just like different spacing now. So I think the what could possibly happen is the best, absolute best players are going to figure out ways to mitigate that and like avoid it. So they're going to use projectiles. And so, for instance, if you knock somebody down with like Gengar, right? And what you can do is because when your opponent gets up. Uh, let's say you try to throw them and they're just mashing a normal, they'll go through your attack. So you're, you're guessing even though they're knocked down. But let's say you charge like one of his shadow balls and you charge the really slow moving one. And as they're getting up, they have to block that. They can't press anything else because if they try to like use a charge attack, you're not even pressing a button. They're not going to hit you because the fireball is basically acting as a shield. So there's a lot of moves that are like that where you can kind of like, uh, space yourself in a way that you can't get hit even if your opponent's guessing right and i think it's kind of like similar to how i play vgc where i play like a really safe kind of set play game where it's not really important if i guess right or not uh i'm covering so many different options so i think option select yeah basically yeah and and i think that there's not explicit option selects but like like there are in street fighter where you put in a bunch of motions and the best one comes out but you're still using one one input that covers a lot of different options. So I think that'll be the positive aspect of it if players can really do that. The negative would be if that's not really viable, if there's not really that many options to do that and there really just is like a guessing fest. So I hope that's not the case. I don't right. think that's the case. Uh, I think it does have a lot of potential, but um, I don't know if you want to get in right here, Fidget, but I did want to explain the real problem with Field Face because there is like okay. an actual problem. That that's the three D one, right? Yep, yeah, right, right, right. Okay. It is it that projectiles just don't really make sense in a three D 
but no, no, no. They, they okay. actually, it's really unique. Um, and honestly, like even like the small gripes that I have, I think the way the spacing works, it's gonna mitigate the rock paper scissors aspect of it. I think I think it, it, it could work out. This is the real problem with field base. People are wondering how do you even play Pokemon, right? Like you have you need two use, you need two monitors, yeah. you need two Ethernet uh, adapters, you need a crossover cable. I don't need. I I just found out what that was two days ago. That was made in like 1995, and it's like. You need all this stuff just to play. Like you, normally, you just need one system. You know what I mean? Two controllers and a monitor, and that's it. The only reason you need all of this stuff is because Field Base makes you do an over-the-shoulder camera angle, right? And you need two monitors. What they could have done, since you're in Field Base for such a small period of time, is just like bolstered the 2D phase, the dual phase, and like made that the game. Because it makes the barrier to entry to actually playing the game, not the barrier to entry to learning the game, but just like actually playing it with somebody so much smaller. So I think that that is what really is going to like hinder it. Because you know how hard that is to like have a local yeah. like Pokemon tournament? That's like almost impossible. So yeah, I, I, that, that's the biggest problem I have with those days. Not pick so. up and play. Yeah. No way. Not even close. They, I yeah. don't, I, they, they made it. Did you see the instructions? You had to press like a cheat code just to unlock 2D. Or unlock the the land mode. Like I've never played a game where yeah. you have to like enter a cheat code to unlock two players since like like the nineties, man. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. There there are a handful of games like that on like I want to say the original Xbox, but even that's like fifteen years ago now. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's I guess it's kind of nice because I I know I had seen on Twitter uh, you discussing that with some people and they brought up Smash, which is valid. Uh, Smash Four is really annoying for tournament organizers because they have to set up like they have to get two hundred or three hundred games on a setup before they have all the characters on it, which is and they have to get all the DLC on the setup before they have all the characters right. on it, which is a little bit annoying. Um, it's nice that they have a land mode, but at the same time. It's completely unreasonable, like what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> like, I completely agree with you. Like, uh, if, if... I, any other fighting game, you you don't need to. And I, I guess that's part of why they need all this support from what? the developer right away because it would never take off competitively. Because Tio's would okay, dude. It. Okay, check this Not... out. This is this is the perfect thing that 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 he just said. I think, and look, this this is a good thing about when I when I talk about a game, I, I don't I don't put the bias of like I like the game or don't like the game. I'm gonna just tell you, even if I love this game, I'm gonna tell you real talk. The reason the hundred thousand dollars is out here is to give people a shiny object to distract them from. Oh, guys, this game is actually really, really difficult to get into. Not from a competitive standpoint, but from an actual standpoint of even tr- wanting to play the game. Period. So instead, don't worry about the fact you have to buy two wheels. Don't worry about the fact you have to buy two monitors. You can win a hundred thousand dollars. Don't even think about it. And it's like, oh, oh, that's fine. I can make all this money back. And I think that's like the the really the red herring. They're just kind of like. Oh, now look at this shiny hundred thousand dollars. So well, it, I mean, I think it's good marketing. Yeah, so like that's what it is. It and that's what most fighting game tournaments or tournaments at all are is the marketing department trying to get people excited about their new game that's coming out. And but see, the interesting thing is, like CEO is not even Capcom. Like for the longest time, Capcom had no. nothing to do with them. So Pokemon is like going like super overboard from what other companies are doing you know yeah it's right. weird yeah i guess it's because uh, they have the structure already there it's it's one of those things where people always sort of wondered why they would run vgc tournaments 
<laughs> right, right. Because people don't like watching VGC. The only people who like doing VGC are the people who are playing it usually. Well, people still like it, I guess, but it's it's not as easy to get into from a spectator's perspective and understand why it would be entertaining if you don't already play it. Well, and the difference is um, VGC is run by Pokemon and no one else really touches it, whereas like CEO right. and Evo are big events that already have staff and people streaming and a giant audience, and they're just sponsoring them, basically. Right. So you get a built-in audience that way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're really, like, I don't want to say, like, leeching, but that's the closest word I can get to. Because CEO, before, let's say, like, 2012, they were just doing their own thing and having all this this audience. The Capcom Pro Tour, if you've heard of that, that's basically just Capcom sponsoring CEO. They have Capcom really runs one event every year. They have like 50 events across the world, but like they're all just tournaments that would have already happened. And right. so they're able to just dump in a little bit of money into each of those tournaments. Uh, so now I think Chris Brown, because, you know, he knows fighting games. He's basically doing the same kind of thing with Hulkin, except the difference is he actually has to do, they have to actually do nationals. They actually have to do worlds. So that's you know it uses up a lot of money. So I mean I, I think I think it'll work out, but I really want to see because this will be interesting to see like um, how it all plays out. And, and JTK asked a question. Um, I forgot what it was. I want to see if I can find it. If you guys have something to say while I look for it, because okay. Just... Oh yeah, I was just um, gonna. It, it... All right, but you go ahead this go. time. You go ahead. This all time. right. Um, it, if you guys want to know more about CEO and how all that stuff started, there's a really good episode of Team GFB Radio from, I want to say, last November, where uh, Daryl interviewed Alex Jabaley um, mm. and how he kind of took over and brought CEO back to life and actually got to name it also. So, yeah, Alright, so real quick, mm-hmm. um, she was asking, um, oh, about players switching. And, and there's, a, there's another guy that asked about this, too. Like, how many Pokemon players are actually going to play Pokemon? So before I answer, <laughs> what do you guys think? Because look, there's a lot of people on Twitter that have been so salty about the money Pokemon's getting. What do you guys think? Okay, I'm, I'm going to say about half of them will play a game or two, and maybe, like, 15 actual VGC players will actually give it a real shot. Um, as far as the money, I'm guessing a lot of that's actually coming from Namco. Right, 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 right. Oh, that that's, yeah. Really? Oh. Well, I, I, I think... mean, they're the people that made the game and are putting out the game and have relationships with all these other tournament organizers, so. Yeah, honestly, we should have seen that so early that it wasn't just Pokemon. Because I, I'm pretty sure I said that immediately and then nobody listened. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, okay, kids. <laughs> All right, no, I yeah. could be wrong. Yeah, man, no, 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 no. I, I don't think you're wrong at all. Because they, they look Tekken Sevens at Evo. Tekken Seven is not out. It doesn't even have a release date. The only reason it's there is because Namco gives them money, and it's absolutely. I'm sure that like a bunch of this hundred thousand is coming from Bandai Namco. So that's perfect. That, that's, that's awful. Probably likely, yeah. Hey, but uh, Taller, what do you think? Uh, after trying to play Smash Four. Which is not necessarily the prime fighting game in terms of like <laughs> fighting game elements. It, it's I like it. I have fun with it. Um, but you kind of realize fighting games are not anything like VGC. <laughs> um, 
VGC is a game of incredibly slow decisions being made and trying to optimize everything perfectly because you only have 10 turns or so and you're trying to make a perfect decision every turn because you can do that. Fighting games are very quick. They're reactionary. There's there's so much interaction and there's not this rigid turn structure. It's I'm not going to say that I know whether or not VGC players will pick up Pokémon, but if it's being if their if their desire to play is born of salt, then the salt will not sustain them. You cannot live on right. salt. Um, well, you have to actually like Pokémon and play Pokémon because you like it, and it'll take a long time to get good if you haven't played a fighting game before, because fighting games are hard, even if Pokémon is not necessarily the epitome of difficult fighting games. It, there's right. so much to learn in how you interact, and there are little pieces, like I know we discussed the option select just now, the idea of covering multiple uh, multiple opponent's options with one of your options, which is cool, and something you can do in Pokémon, sort of. But there's so much more complexity in a different aspect, and the speed of thought that you have to do is entirely different. Because, I mean, you get you get a minute to make a turn in Pokemon, you get a half a second to make a decision in a fighting game sometimes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think that difference is really significant. Yeah. I'll still misclick occasionally in Pokemon, so... <laughs> me doing that well, let me tell you something. If you misclicking in Pokemon, you're going to be misclicking all over the place in Pokemon. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah. But like onto onto that though, I think it is a completely different uh, skill set, like you were saying, and I, I think that it's true. I think that actually, I'm not going to get into politics, of course, but that is also true in politics. That like, if you have like like anger or or, or like displeasure at whatever's happening, uh, okay, that'll get you to do something for a little while, but it's not going to be able to last you. So if you if you for some reason are like mad at VGC, like. Just being mad at VGC is not going to make you, like, play Pokemon and get into the World Championships. It's just, like, it's not going to happen. Um, yeah. I think that if I were to come up with a number, I couldn't tell you how many people would play, but how many people would, would actually possibly get into, like, World Contender level, I would say maybe, like, four. Like, I know yeah. I'm playing. I know Mercury's playing. I have a couple people that said they play. But, I mean, look, when you're at Nationals and you have, like, 150 CP and you have the choice to either play Pokemon and get, like, top eight Nationals get in Worlds or you have a chance to fight for one of the only the 16 slots for Pokemon against players that have played fighting games for years, I think when you stare down that option, it's like people are just going to play what they're comfortable playing. Um, so I, I think that there's not like a whole lot of people that are talking big about Pokemon that are actually going to be serious. But if you're serious, come mess with me, man. Because I'll get you good real quick. <laughs> yeah, I, All right. absolutely. That, that was actually really good. Yeah, that that sounds about what I'm expecting. I, I still want to try out the game. I know I'm never going to get anywhere near competitive with it. I mean, I'm learning all this but, stuff. I'm really enjoying my little foray into the the very light fighting games that I play. <laughs> um, it's, it's so be, quick. It's, to be it's fair, that the only Pokémon I've seen actually played so far has been I was watching that stream for the last hour or so. <laughs> and Charizard <laughs> seems to be doing pretty good in there. I, um, I hear Suicune is number one in the world now, or something like that. Maybe I not, haven't. I didn't see a Suicune on that stream. There strong. was a lot of a lot of Weavile and a lot of Charizard. Yeah, so much champ. All I can say is everything looks from just what I've seen looks pretty viable right now. Obviously, that changes because you know in VGC sixteen people were saying like there were so many options and stuff like that. 
And, uh, well, I don't know how that, you know. <laughs> Turned out, uh, not happening. <laughs> we have about but, uh, yeah. Pokemon. <laughs> I don't know. If you look at the difference between the Virginia top cut and the Florida top cut, you can see a lot more things are becoming viable. Right, right. If, if you if you do um, if you look at all the regionals that have occurred so far this season, mm-hmm. um, I was doing some stats with. I was actually doing a school paper based on regional stats and whatnot, which is kind of sad. But um, albeit the sample size is really small, the Virginia regional is. The only one where you had seven Groudon and one Kyogre. <laughs> there was another regional where there were seven Groudon and two Kyogre, which is different because it means more double primal. Um, or at least one double primal. But the Virginia regional is the only case we had where you had such an extreme proportion of Groudon to Kyogre. And it has, a, it has, an, it has an impact on the data, but... What it comes down to is that usually there's approximately a 5 to 3 ratio of Groudon to Kyogre in top cuts. That's that's the average so far this year over regionals. Um, and it's, it hasn't been isolated to either the beginning of the season or the end of the season. You just have... There are, of course, cases where Kyogre gets in more than Groudon does, and Groudon gets that in more than just Kyogre. just U.S. regionals, or was that... Those are all regionals worldwide. Okay, so I, I think I have that spreadsheet up here right now. Also, so it's uh, 62.5% of teams had Groudon, and 48.6% had Kyogre. Yeah, I think I had an average of like 4.9 Groudons per top cut, and that was my mean in like 3 point something Kyogres per top cut, and then when you actually did a... I'm not going to discuss the test that I did, because it's not really valid given the sample size, but... (laughs) Talonflame number 2 Pokemon. Talonflame number 2 Pokemon, that's what is important. (laughs) More popular than Kyogre and Kangaskhan. Talonflame's really consistent. It's it's hard to trump that. It's its ability is just really good. Yeah, I mean, since stuff's always going off. I mean, what it does, its stuff is always going off. Sorry. But anyway, um, if people want to try out new things in the metagame, you've got a good chance because the International Challenge March signups are going on right now. And that starts next weekend, actually. Oh gosh, I better go and go and get ready. Next yeah, weekend's I... when my spring break begins. I'll have plenty of time. Nice. Yeah, my spring break too. Not bad. Not bad. But I don't course, get a spring uh... break. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid kids. Fidget's not even in school. Well, I mean, I don't technically get a spring break because I'm working, you know, but yeah. I get a spring break from school. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. See, the thing is, I love the international challenges. I love the, the mid-season showdowns. I don't know if you guys are going to talk about those. I think they're awesome. It's just for me, I made my transition already. <laughs> okay. So I'll watch from the sidelines. I see. Um, but did did either of you go to a mid-season showdown? Or no? I, I'll be attending one uh, April 3rd, I believe. In Mooresville, North Carolina, it's really, it's really. Uh, I've got so much stuff to finish up with with school, um, just the amount of work that I have to do that it's very difficult for me to attend tournaments, and has been so far this year. So I'm stressed out about CP, but I kind of have to do my life as it happens. <laughs> yeah, I I was going to go to one um, the Saturday after Oregon Regionals, but I had already taken two Saturdays in a row off to go to California and Oregon. 
And I did so well at the regionals that I would have to basically win the midseason showdown to get an ACP, so I just went to work instead. Um, but I am starting to worry about my own CP count since I've only gotten two finishes at PCs so far, and it's getting I have really one. hard to get to PCs. I have one, and it's a 21 CP from one PC, and that's all of my CP this season, so yay! <laughs> yeah, I'm, Wait, I'm, you, in a, you, I'm in a bad situation. I'm in a bad way. Wait, how, well, so how this you, is the thing. Oh, go ahead. How did you finish at Oregon? Oregon, I went 4-3. Uh, so I went 5-1 in the PC, uh, lost to Big Six. I think, I blame, I don't blame. I know that my losses in Oregon were largely because largely I didn't adapt in the best of threes against Big Six because I played a lot of people that were very, very good against playing against uh, Gengar Crobat. And they had apparently a lot of experience or someone told them what to do in the matchup. So I lost two games because of that. And there was another game I lost because I crit like three times in both games. But I could have played that one better too. It's I, I really need to practice and step up my game, but I'm not doing enough of it. So we'll see. Yeah. I ended up playing two big six like in a row there. And the first one I just demolished and the second one demolished me. Um, both of them, it was over in two games. So I, I still don't know. How I was supposed to deal with that. That's weird. Yeah. That's like weird. It, it it wasn't really a big problem in practicing and then I had to play uh mellow VGC and he just completely smashed me with it. That's interesting. I think Big Six is actually one of the highest skill teams in the format, to be honest with you. People that play Big Six really well are scary because there's so many threats on the team. This is my I disagree with it. I don't have the credibility to speak on Big six anymore because I'm not really playing. But I will say that team was one of the most overrated teams of all time. It, <laughs> I think it's the team. The you. team itself is pretty overrated, but the elements. Xerneas is really good. Xerneas is good, but look, that team can't defend against itself. I said that like originally, like when the the game, the, the meta game. Yeah, the, came t- out. the team doesn't the, beat itself. But the problem with that is it doesn't even beat any of the individual pieces of itself at all. So right. if you're just that, that team just has problems with Groudon, period. It has problems with Xerneas, period. It has problems with other Solomons, period. That it's that's not a good formula for like a sustainable good team. So I think you can call that like a good scrub killing team. I don't think you can call it a good team. Well, I am a scrub. So. <laughs> well. Right now, I'm a scrub. I would definitely call myself a scrub right now. It's it's sort of weird because it's it's the number of threats it have has though, and the the amount of speed that it has make it difficult to pick against at times. It's interesting I, that so many people use it. I obviously have a lot to learn, so I all hail. But I just did like a bowing motion. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's interesting how well it's done, and I think it's interesting how well it hasn't done in some cases as well. There are plenty yeah, of top I, cuts that just don't have it. Yeah, I talked about it a bit on the solo podcast a few episodes ago, but Basically, if you're running the same thing everyone else is running and you're all about equal skill, like you're only giving yourself a 50% chance to win each round. Yeah. So you can't realistically expect to do better than 4-4 or whatever. Which is what's happened to some people. They've run big It's happened to a lot of people. It's like, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right, you you play against your own worst matchup, which is yourself. (laughs) And then it's like, oh, what did you lead? It's Xerneas, and I didn't count Xerneas, I lose. Or so, something like that. So, yeah, and they're like, oh, but like three of them made Top Cut. It's like, yeah, and like 47 didn't make Top Cut. 
Right. And it's, like, just real quick, uh, not to like bring it back to Broken too hard, but if you if you want to want to know the number of people that are gonna be playing that at nationals versus uh, Pokemon, look at the people who have been doing like really bad at regionals, like the people who have like less than fifty CP, like me. And, and me? Like, oh, you said you had 21? Yeah. Uh, those are people that, when you look at that decision, it's like, dude, I think I have a better chance to get top 16 in Pokemon than, like, Nationals. So, I, I think, yeah, you're going to look at those people to be into it. It's be really weird. I typically have a lot of time prior to Nationals, um, and I don't know if the trend will continue, so I don't want to make any assumptions. But mm. traditionally, I have done better at Nationals than I've done, in, proportionally, than I've done at events throughout the season. Because I have so much more time to play the game <laughs> prior to the event. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah. that and spring regionals. I usually get things together by. So we'll see where I am. I don't want to be put in the position where I have to play Pokemon though, because I I don't think I would do well. I'm not too talented in that regard. My reaction time is actually like ten. I'm I'm like ten years older than I'm supposed to be, and I, oh, I yeah. think you can train that, but. It's really slow. <laughs> um, there's a lot of argument about can you train it out. I know mine's about, uh, I don't know the milliseconds exactly. You can like translate it over, but it's about 18 to 19 frames, which isn't even really fast. I don't think you really need fast reactions with Pokemon because there's not really, or Pokemon because there's not really mix ups really, like in right. Street Fighter. Like, you don't have to block overheads, you don't have to block rows. Um, but, uh, like, okay, so, because this is what we're talking about nationals. Uh, I know the next thing is the, the stipends. Cause right. I think that's super interesting how it plays into Pokemon, but and just Pokemon in general. But what do you guys like have to say? Because you, I know uh, you're kind of close. Wait, how, how much CP do you have? Is it- uh, I have two fifty six, so I could get my world's invite with just PCs at this point. All right, what do you guys think about like them not saying anything yet? Um, they do this I, all I mainly, the time. <laughs> I mainly yes. put it on the list because as soon as I talk about something on here that hasn't happened like before i'll even post the episode they'll announce the stuff so i'm just hoping that's what's gonna happen here um but yeah what what toller was saying earlier about how he kind of ramps it up spring and and nationals is kind of the opposite of how my seasons typically go where i will be like i'll start off top 16 and slowly slowly wind my way down the ladder until the last two years, I missed the stipends by less than three CP each wow. year. So I definitely it, had 2014 season. I tied for 16 with five people. That was cool. A lot of people don't yeah. know about that event, but they decided based on ELO, and I had dropped out of a tournament recently. <laughs> so I was out of that running. <laughs> but yeah, I it, think- this is the first year that I've actually been moving forward. Where I wasn't even in the like top two hundred for North America until California, mm-hmm. and now I'm almost in top sixty four, or whatever used to be the stipends. So where did you guys? Because you guys live closer. Well, actually, no, not you anymore, Sam. But uh, like mindset going into nationals when you know that you can't get a stipend, or the, that you know that you might get a stipend. Like, how does that? How does that? work into like planning um i've traditionally just tried to focus on nationals as a tournament like i'm sort of benefited by still being living at home with my mother and my mother being like yeah play pokemon uh i mean i can't overstate the benefit of having a family member who supports you and what you're doing (laughs) 
So it's it's just been me being like, all right, what do I have to do to get the world's invite? And then what what happens? What happens after that? What happens after that? What happens after that? So for me, it's it's always just about improving my game. I know we've got a question here about practice schedules, um, so we might need to oh yeah jump down to yeah, that I pretty soon here. But um, it's it's dependent on what's happening. I try I just try not to stress myself out about it because if I make everything about my reputation or like how well I have done and how well I'm going to do then I don't respect my own real life outside of Pokemon. And when I don't do that, then I start devaluing myself and it all gets really wonky. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that's uh, for me. I, I always, if I'm not getting a stipend, I don't even go. That's yeah. why I'm always at national. It's expensive. Like every other year. Yeah. yeah. For, Cause you know, I'm coming from West coast. Um, I, I don't know, but, uh, I don't want to stick you guys on the same topic for too long. So, yeah, um, basically I use Nationals now as an excuse to go back to Michigan for a couple days and see my family over there and then head down to head down to the tournament because it's like driving distance from there. Right. But otherwise, I, I don't know if I would still go. I mean, my record at Nationals has been just awful since 2009 was the last time I ended fairly positive um i think last year i got cp because over half the field dropped by the end wow i would drop out of that metagame too yeah so i, 2015? I think i was i was yeah. i was 5-4 at nationals and still made like top 128 or something 20 because so mm. so many people dropped that was such a messy metagame it was so weird so i yeah I can't say that. It was complex. <laughs> I say that. It was hard it was hard what? to approach. Whoa, there were parts complex. of it that were really complex. Swagger is so complex, so is Thunderwave and so is Rockslide. You know, oh, I, yeah, I've never seen that kind of complexity <laughs> in my life. Uh I, I will have you know that I did indeed fight the Swagger Wagger. Uh in the top <laughs> two of Nationals. That was a lot of fun, very stressful. <laughs> really enjoyed oh. thinking the entire time. Gosh, I wonder what happens if he just swaggers my Gardevoir and then Thunderwaves it when after I hit myself and can't knock him out. Like <laughs> Replay Dude, all my nightmares from stuff. every um, Wi-Fi match I've ever played, but there were, but there see, were parts the, of it that were complex. There were parts of it that were interesting. Oh gosh! All of the interesting complex parts were overshadowed by that, in my personal opinion. That's but completely that's understandable. Just... Yeah, I, I I feel you. I I've always been a fan of the idea of removing Rockside's flinch chance and removing Thunderwave's <laughs> paralysis chance. I don't know why you have to have that in the game. It's so, uh, it's so wait, extra. Wait, removing so Thunderwave's paralysis chance? That's all that it is. Well, full paralysis. Okay. Full paralysis. Take yeah. that out, man. Yeah. Take that out. Do something else with paralysis. Do something it, do something interesting. If they got rid of Rockslide's flinch chance and made it 100% accurate, I would be 100% on board with that. Oh my god. Me too. I'd be so on board with it. Oh, 100% accurate spread move that's rock type? Yeah. Good yeah. word. That'd be so cool. I'm down. Just make it like Dazzling Gleam. Just increase the power by like five. There you go. Oh, look. Yeah. Swords Dance Pokemon are better now. Cause, or Swords Dance like Landorus and Swords Dance Groudon. Swords Dance, that's, so, that's so cool. Like The effect of Swords Dance on a game is so exciting to me. Um, I think so too. I, I really like, yeah, yeah. I I, was, I used Swords Dance Garchomp in 2012 Worlds, and that was a lot of fun. Swords Dance is cool, but it's no Geomancy. <laughs> it's no Geomancy. It's no Geomancy. It is inferior. It is inferior. Speaking of, um, I know this is not one of the questions, but 
Have you guys seen the uh, the psych up Groudon with Xerneas strategy? No, I, I've seen it. I I mean, obviously, it's not consistent, but it's interesting. Like, if you don't know what's happening, it's like, oh, dang, that happened. Whoops. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> so, but I, 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 the problem is now that best out of three is like so common. It's like, yeah, that's not gonna happen again. Yeah, you can you but can taunt things or change things. It feels like an in-game thing. Anyways, do we want to answer the practicing question? Even though it's uh, sort of yeah, sure. We're, we don't have to go in order here. All right, uh, I'll highlight things as we do them. Uh, okay, so friend of the show, Peeball, writes in asking, "How much do you practice?" And uh, do you practice? How do you practice each? Oh yeah, day each slash day, week. week. Day or week. Uh, okay. Do you want to go um, first? I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll start with this. I haven't actually practiced this year at all. Um, basically, PCs have been my practice before regionals, and I played the International Challenge. But not having internet makes uh, practice really hard. Indeed. Indeed. And since I got internet back, I just haven't gotten into the habit of practicing yet. That's, so, yeah. So, not at all is my answer. Because I'm focusing on graduation-related stuff and finishing up school and college and whatnot, I haven't really practiced enough. I think I have, like, 200 to 300 games. Let me check. On this alt, it's... uh Oh, I am at 282 games. I'd like to be around 500 by now, given the season. Maybe more. The, the metagame's been hard to get into, I guess. Um, But, that said, when it gets to... It really depends on the tournament, P-Ball, to answer you specifically. Um, for regionals, I usually can't practice as much because I don't have as much time beforehand, but if I have summer break and I can prepare for nationals, it's usually 8 to 10 hours a day of thinking about the game at least, for yeah. 3 to 4 of playing. Um, I'm a theory monster, usually. I like to say that about myself because I really think a lot. Uh, trying yeah. to figure out what's good and what's bad. I want to do more statistics because that would probably make that process more efficient. But I, uh, it's it's over forty hours a week, um, all the time because partially because I have nothing else to do and partially because I have a little bit of a reputation on the line and partially because I don't have a lot of time to prep before that because I'm doing real things throughout the year prior to the month before nationals. But it's it's usually very rigorous, and I grind a lot, and I'm asking questions and trying to figure stuff out, and it's what's on my mind a lot of the time. Yeah, I, really similar. I I end up uh, like I I have a two and a half hour bus ride to and from work every day, so I've got like five hours on a bus. Uh, but a lot of that I do spend just running calcs on my phone, saying like, oh, like I'll write this down and look at that later. And eventually I will look at all those things, but for now I just know all the calcs that it's, are fairly usable. It's funny because my tendency to theory out everything has made me want to uh, study philosophy in college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at least to some degree. Maybe not as a major, but it's a lot of my interest. I took a class. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you it has too much to do with Pokemon, but I mean, you know, it's a cool class. But anyways, for me... uh. I think um, I'm also the same way as theory. I I spend a, like I also have a pretty long commute, 
and right now I'm a sign spinner, so I have a lot of time, obviously, to think. Basically, the entire time, that's all you can do is think. So, when I did practice, I would just, I, I, I or not practice, when I, when I did, like, you know, try to prepare myself, it would just be a lot of leads and uh, what I'm going to use in the back, what they can switch in, and just basically, like, running through a bunch of scenarios. The way that I think is... I want to come up with one play that works against as many teams as possible and just keep refining that over and over. Kind of like StarCraft, where if you have like a build order and you just want to keep on refining that build order, you don't want to like start switching and changing up like the timing of when you do stuff. I, I, the way I play is I want to keep doing the exact same thing every time. So I just keep on refining that in my head. Um, and I rarely, rarely ever actually play games just because. The only time I, I, I'm actually going to sit down on showdown and actually do a set is if I'm like, I don't know if this works or not. I don't know if uh, after like, because, you know, you can only really map out like three or four turns in your head mm-hmm. before stuff gets kind of blurry because there's too many factors out. That's when I kind of stop after like turn four and then I have to actually play games. But even when I was in my, like, I guess you could say like my prime in 2013 and 2014, it was not very much playing, maybe like 10 or 20 games a week at max but a ton of thinking about the game. I think that's a lot more important for Pokemon, because look, like you said, there's only like 10 turns, and in some metagames, there's only like 4, 5, 6 turns. Like in this metagame, if you are playing it right, you're finishing 4, 5, 6 turns. So if you can play as many of those turns as you want to, but I think it's better to just have a set play for like the first 3 or 4. I mean, everybody's not the same way, but if you can do that, I think that that's a viable way to just think about the game instead of playing it more. That's how I... That's really interesting, because I was talking about writing a math paper last night about Pokemon. One of the things I was uh, looking at was uh, game theory and the idea of a Nash equilibrium with mixed strategies, which is a little bit of a fancy way of talking about how players can find a certain strategy, and when they use it, they'll get roughly the same result all the time. So... It's, it's interesting that you talk about that because I, I talked about in the paper, like maybe at the highest level, uh, players would come by habit or by reason or in some way towards these equilibrium points and find ways to make the early game as efficient as possible, as controlled as possible. Because the, the first three turns of a Pokemon game, first two maybe, are really variable. You don't necessarily know what's going to happen since everyone has their maximum number of options. It's wild to try to control all of them at the same time what it ends up being is you try to find it's it, it interesting you say this you try to find some option that covers the majority of what's happening or the safest option that covers a lot of different strategies and then you use that option most of the time so that you have an idea of what's going to go on, go on each turn right 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 game three that's exactly yeah game three is super interesting to me i kind of want to do more of it too same. I, I've been, uh, there's these classes online that, uh, they're free that I've been just reading up videos and stuff like that. And I need to do more. I've just been pretty busy, but definitely I love game theory, man. It's, it's awesome stuff. Yeah. 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 So do we think we're, we're on to the next question here? I'm not sure if yes. we're going to get through all of these at this rate. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can, we can blast through some of these. Some of these are quick. Um, starting from the top, we have Samuel Temple 2 asking, now that regionals are over and Walrein has shown its face and done well, uh, will people start preparing for it? Also, since he wants to try Walrein, what should it watch out for? Um, Mawile! 
<laughs> Don't let it get in front of a mawile. Eh, it, it can take a hit from a mawile. It can take at least one hit. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought it could take a hit from an Arcanine, but apparently... <laughs> yep. Arcanine's strong. Although I did run the calculator and that was only like a 30% chance to actually one-shot me with the choice band if it was max attack. Wow. So, so I'm sorry. He just, he just got lucky and he had me spooked. Throwback so to I the didn't... 1% icicle crash. Yeah. Or uh, the 6%. But yeah, uh, Walrein, like, Ferrothorn's not a great matchup for it. Although, if you can hit it with a Super Fang on the Switch, you can still beat that 1v1. Um, but yeah, I don't know how much other people are going to start preparing for it, since, I mean, it only top cut two, two things. It's funny that in such light usage, it top cut two tournaments. That was, that was interesting to me. Cause I, well, it, it's a really good Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's surprisingly effective. Um, yeah, the, the pressure between Super Fang and Ice, Icy Wind, um, and then the option to Ice Beam Dragons to death is pretty great. So that kind of transitions into the next question. Uh, Steven, I believe Morioka, asks uh, for the users of Walrein, namely you, Fidget, why did you decide to use it instead of Lapras? Super Fang. Um, Super Fang. Th- thick Fat, also pretty good. Um, you take less than a... I think I think you take around 20% from a full HP eruption in Sun. So wow. It's one of the most fun things to just switch in. Um, and then, yeah, Super Fang, Super Fang Icy Wind Pressure means that there's, like, nothing safe to switch in besides, like, Aegislash. Mm. Uh, side note, I really hate how Groudon has two incredibly good offensive stats because it ruins trying to theory out, like, proper EV spreads against it. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> does it eruption or does it fire punch should I EV special or should I EV physical well special is more efficient but what if I yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah Pressless Blades also does a lot to wall range so. right it, do, it can do like half right it can it can do more than half depending on how you build your wall ring so Steven also asks uh, yes. it is now March the middle of the Pokemon season Hence the midseason showdown, and he's wondering how many qualif- uh, NA masters will qualify for worlds based on the results thus far. Um, he says he's guessing one twenty-five plus or minus five. Uh, I don't I think should... I can give a good answer on this. I haven't been watching CP well enough. I I am pulling up the leaderboard right now. When he <laughs> asked this question like two weeks ago, I had a good answer, and I've completely forgotten what it was. Oh, um, let's see, masters division. Uh, is he asking? Okay, North American Masters. Um, let's see. We'll say people around my rank are probably going to do it, and then we're going to get a bump of about uh, like maybe thirty to forty more people from nationals. Um. Uh, it depends because I don't know what the best finish limits for all these people are. Like how yeah. how close are they actually to getting it? Or I don't know. I'd say eh, somewhere between 100 and 140, which I know is a giant range. Um, I'll say one 132. 
Okay. Yeah. I'm going to say, fine. like, maybe 80% of them show up. Which might be Yeah, because it's still reasonably difficult to get there. Yeah. So, in terms of what people have been using to get that CP, and <laughs> I'm really just trying to make sure we answer all these. Um, yeah. Monkey Warlock asks, what our thoughts are on the Crobat Gengar team used to counter the standard six? Are there ways to make the team more versatile? I, I don't know that much about the team, but I, I don't know, know why. a lot about it. <laughs> I, I'm confused as to why you would use Crobat and Gengar. It seems a little excessive, but sometimes it's not. Um, Monkey Warlock, and anyone else who's curious about this, uh, Crobat Gengar, as I was discussing a little earlier, I used it a lot at Oregon to try to fight Big Six. What you find out is that once people know what Crobat Gengar does, they don't lead to lose to Crobat Gengar. Like, that sounds weird. You can lead to lose to it. Just as yeah, much how, as you can lead how, to beat it. <laughs> how do you lead to lose to Crobat Gengar? Smeargle Xerneas. Like most... Smeargle Xerneas. Um, okay. Crest is horrible. That's that's really bad. Especially if you stay in. Uh, the, okay. You, taunt, you get taunted and shadow tagged. Smeargle and most anything can be pretty bad, theoretically, because you get your Smeargle pretty much gone. Um, it, okay. it goes away pretty quickly. You lead to beat it by leading things that do damage. Uh, most big <laughs> yeah. six players... We'll lead Kangaskhan Talonflame. They'll lead Talonflame Salamence. Both of these very capable of hitting that Gengar hard, and a lot of Gengar don't have room in their EV spreads to EV to take a Brave Bird slash Flare Blitz from Talonflame. So the problem is that once you start giving good, putting good leads against Crobat Gengar, Crobat Gengar loses a lot of its efficacy. It's worse. The point of Crobat Gengar is to catch the Smeargle user off guard a little bit, and catch the Smeargle playing the game when it's not supposed to be. Because it, it does beat Smeargle pretty hard, especially if you're using sub-Gengar. Uh, sub um, and it does it does shut down Xerneas pretty well, but if the Xerneas is in the back and they take out the Crobat or the Gengar, uh, or it's forced to switch out and the Xerneas gets the Geomancy up, you lose. Because uh, you lost so much momentum from using things that were so frail early in the game. Okay, I question. Do... Oh, next question? No, no, no. I, I have a question on this. Well, oh, yeah. If, if you've already got Gengar, why would you use Crobat and not Whimsicott? I quite like Whimsicott. Uh, Crobat can't get flinched. Um, Crobat does have access to... Well, Super Fang and Fake Tears is a little better than Super Fang, in a general sense. Uh Um, Let's see. Quick Guard, that's relevant. You block Sucker Punches, you also have a threat of Quick Guard. I I think if I did it again, I would probably use Whimsicott, though. Whimsicott's a really good Pokemon, and Encore is an extremely good move. Right. Well, uh, if we're going back to the first turn thing where you want to have like consistency, I think that's why I would I messed with Crobat for a little bit because it's like you make sure on the first turn you can do whatever you're gonna do because you're not gonna get faked out. Right. And I think that's a super huge deal because I, I think deferring to turn two to start trying to stop stuff or mess like your opponent's strategy up, it's like it might be too late at that point depending on what you're dealing with. So that's that's why I that's always really liked true. Crobat. Alright, and uh, uh, Crobat people are why... Oh, wait, no, no, not that I've always liked Crobat, because I've been on record saying I hate Crobat. Yeah. I still hate Crobat. Crobat sucks. <laughs> I, oh, I don't know, I, I, was yeah. use, I was using Mewtwo at regionals, and I appreciated every time somebody led a Crobat that I could just suck can... it, turn one before they do anything. Because you just be yeah. tied to Crobat. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Sure. That was, that was, that was, I played against Fidget like six times before the PC. Uh, that tournament, and it was it was bad. 
I, I played had, a lot I had a of, rough time. <laughs> I played a lot of Crobats at regionals, and I think only one of them got a tailwind off before it died. Everything else just immediately went down. Yeah. Uh, Crobat, Crobat's weird. I, I don't think I want to use it again. I know it's it's really only good as a niche uh, Xerneas counter at this point, which is fine. Xerneas is hard to deal with for some teams. It's just... Yeah. It's also good for fighting Smeargle, which is our next question from pa- from Pallet. Uh, why has the usage of Smeargle increased so vastly in the VGC 16 format as opposed to a less relevant usage in VGC 2015? The format has changed with the addition of Primals, but Smeargle hasn't changed. So why is Smeargle arguably a top six Pokemon in VGC 2016 when it wasn't in VGC 2015? Have we not answered this question before? The Primals! I feel like we have like four episodes already this season basically dedicated to Smeargle. Um, I, I think, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm fairly certain that a big part of this is... Primals can't carry a Lumberry, and they're pretty slow, so Smeargle can control them a lot. Um, and then a lot of the other stuff in the metagame is slow because the big parts of it are... I, yeah. I'm going to say that the issue with it before was most of the things you had to partner with it were single targets, and you couldn't actually right. get knockouts on multiple things before everything right. woke up and destroyed you. Um, whereas now you have Kyogre and Groudon and Xerneas that have super powerful spread moves that can start knocking things out immediately. Heck of damage. Yep. I've been using Snarl Eveltal to achieve okay. that purpose. I'm, it's uh, pretty cute. I, I like Stab Snarls. Yes, Snarl is pretty pretty cool move. Um, speaking of Xerneas... And Kyogre. I'm, I'm doing these bad transitions all over the place. Okay, no, just go right um, ahead. Lycor asks, uh, he says uh, he's been using Xerneas Kyogre Kangaskhan uh, for quite a while now. He used it to get 11th at Florida and top 4 the CT MSS, so the Connecticut uh, midseason showdown. He um, also says it won St. Louis on Drew's, Drew's team, that being Drew Novak. Uh, Ace Novak on Pokemon Showdown. I lost to him recently. Good games, Drew. Um... <laughs> It was a pretty hacksy game, actually. Probably not that good of a game. Anyways, <laughs> uh, what are your? Uh, they, he wants to know what our opinions are on the combination, and besides Ferrisaurin, what are the biggest problems you see with the core? I know I had this discussion with Colin pretty recently, actually. Aegislash. Aegislash. That's a that's a that's an issue. I didn't think about that one. Um, other Xerneas. Kyogre plus anything has a trouble has a problem with Xerneas. Um, I'm I'm hoping. I'm not hoping. I'm guessing you might be using Ferrothorn as well, Lightcore. Since you want to be beating other Xerneas? It, th- there was, like, a lot more to this question that I cut off. Um, right. That's fair. Yeah, he, he listed his entire team and the other team, and then he asked the opinions on the core, which the only three in common were the Xerneas, Kyogre, Kangaskhan. That's fine, yeah. I think it's it's interesting. I, I, love, to, I love to critique teams. Um, I don't like how Xerneas Kyogre interacts with other Xerneas, especially if the other Xerneas sets up first. I... I do like how it puts pressure on Rayogre. Uh, I do like how you have the Kyogre and the Xerneas, so you have a k- sort of convincing way to fight Groudon, or at least control Groudon, especially if you're using Ferrothorn. Um, don't use Ferrothorn. You don't use Ferrothorn. There are plenty no, of people sh- that use Ferrothorn and are highly successful with it. That's, that's plenty of people. It won that's a not sustainable. Yeah, sure. Like. Every now and then, one will get through, but 
Again, how many of them didn't? And it's it's one of Wooflick's favorite Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, and if you asked me like a year ago, I would have said it was one of my favorite Pokemon. D- despite the freaking heartbreak year after year after year. Oh. God, it is such... Oh, uh, I'm sorry. It's such a bad Pokemon. Speaking speaking of uh, having fun with Pokemon, Hambrick asks, why does Chris Brown hate fun? So Chris Brown, um, that's a dancer, right? Yeah, he's a he's a musician. Um, I okay. think he, pr- he probably hates fun because he's producing stuff all the time. So if he was having fun, he'd get distracted. Okay, yeah, I I don't know. He he started getting popular when I was just done with high school, so I I, I have right. no idea what. Yeah, he's actually I, mean, done. I think he's talking about why does Chris Brown let Dark Void in because <laughs> he thinks that that Dark Void's not fun. Oh, you you had to make this question serious. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, that I mean, like, I don't know, because I, 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 I thought that was, like, the most interesting question. Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't speak for him, so I, um, I don't really know how to answer that. When you actually look at your this... stats, Smeargle is not the most heavily used Pokemon in the game. Whoa, whoa, whoa. All right, check it out, check it out, check it out. Okay. All right, all right. What did you, what did you, okay. I'm We're, interested. I'm interested. You got me. We already, we already talked about Smeargle a long time ago, and all my thoughts are out there. But I would just say this. Chris Brown... Is working for business. So at the end of the day, I think he makes his decision going, is banning Smeargle good for Pokemon? Is that actually going to, like, profit? And I think the answer to that question is no. It's not going to increase profits. Then it's like, why would I ban Smeargle? Why would we go through the effort of changing up Japan's system and Europe's system and American system just because there are a few? I mean, I don't want to be like, I like call names or anything, but because there's a few really loud elitist voices on Twitter saying that they don't like Smeargle. Now, I think that they do speak for a large group of the population, but I think the way he sees it is like, okay, the small portion of people that are talking about the game or talking about so much hate for Smeargle compared to the large number of people that play it worldwide in general, that might not necessarily reflect all of their opinions. So to start making like, decisions on the game and what to ban based off of like what only the top players are saying might be like kind of skewing the game in their favor because like for instance the 20 minute thing if you guys remember when they moved the timer up from 15 to 20 minutes just because some of the top players were complaining about it it's like maybe they look back at that and they're like i don't know if we should have give them that much say so i think what chris brown is saying is like because we all knew smirgle's usage wasn't going to be like insane in the top cut it was just going to like rip people off of getting in there that run into this movie that weren't completely prepared. Uh, but I think that from like just a business standpoint, I don't think it helps him to ban Smeargle, so I think that's why it doesn't get banned. Right. I know Hamburg also hates Rayogre, which is kind of funny. <laughs> Rayogre is like vastly inconsistent in comparison to Groudon variants. Um, but he likes... Dude, that Rayogre is just seriously... No, it's not. I, I played it. It's, it's <laughs> I don't just even not, know like, why it was so free at regionals. <laughs> yeah, there are, there are better teams. Um, I, I I've been a sort of specialist Rayogre player, and I feel now that I should have stopped a while ago. This is not that good. It's, it, it's I think okay. it's cool. It's cheesy. Yeah, it, yeah. But but it, it yeah. the the way that there it's difficult to run a support Pokemon with it. Um, it's difficult to optimize. Ray, Rayquaza is a single target Pokemon and it's weak to fairy. Lots of things that just aren't good. I think the secret there is to not have a Mega Ray. 
I mean, yeah, me and me and Colin both didn't really Mega Arrays a lot. I had three Megas at regionals, and like I my, didn't use Mega Ray a lot. My first two PCs, I had Rayquaza, but it wasn't Mega, because I wasn't even far enough in the game for that to work. Right. And I went 4-0 in Swiss and both of them. So Yeah, but that's not something that you tell your children, man. Eh. Well, <laughs> yeah. well, if they want a role model to look up to, you don't say, don't mega evolve your Rayquaza because you ain't got far enough in the game. Well, man. when I built the that's team, it wasn't parents. supposed to be uh, Mega Rayquaza anyway. Uh, and I didn't actually know how Megaing worked, so I got really scared when people said, oh yeah, like, you don't need to hit a button at first. Like, as long as it knows Dragon Ascent, it's going to Mega Evolve. Oh yeah, I thought that too, at the very beginning. <laughs> which was not true, <laughs> and I got very scared. It's like, oh no, I need my Mawile to be able to Mega. I cannot have this just jumping off at the beginning. I like Mawile so much in this metagame. It's, I, I don't know why. I just... Cool Pokemon. It, have you tried Max Speed Mawile yet? Uh, no, but I did run a pretty fast one at regionals. That was where a lot of my, my actual wins came from. It wasn't from the whole Rayo aspect. It was it was Mawile. Mawile beating up on Eveltals. Playing rough. I don't think I ever got outsped by a Kyogre with Mawile, and it was so good. Not bad. Uh, Alright. Speaking um, of small Pokemon... <laughs> um, Swagmaster D asks, Great name, by the way Wonderful name, really really outstanding um, In light of Ashton's Pikachu in top 4 Do you think Pikachu Bell Would be worth a lack of egg moves in exchange for KO potential on Ray, Mince, and Lando As well, albeit you definitely Need speed control for all these KOs, but Pikachu Needs speed control anyways to do with primal Speed ties um, yeah, I, I think speed ties are One thing in outright losing Faster Pokemon is another. Yeah. Uh, uh, the the problem of having defenses below base 50, if I remember correctly? It, pretty it's lower than... Um, its defenses are slightly higher than Smeargle, but its HP is lower, so it actually oh. has less defense than Smeargle. Ah! Both yes. both directions. It also doesn't actually have KO potential on Raymond's and Lando, because uh, Icicle Crash, I believe that's what Pikachu Bell gets, is a physical move. And Mence has Intimidate, Lando has Intimidate, and Ray, if it Megas, will the lock Delta Stream. Super effective yeah. That is with Delta Stream. So I don't think Pikachu Bell is going to be particularly effective. I think part of the utility of Pikachu on Ashton's team, and I'm broadly speculating because I don't understand how that team works necessarily. I, I do understand how Raichu's Xerneas works. He blocks Thunder Wave, etc., etc. But I'm assuming he was abusing the pressure of Xerneas to allow the slightly more offensive than Raichu, but much less fast than Raichu Pikachu to deal damage uh, in addition to Xerneas. And also to use Pikachu, because that's what Ashton does. He doesn't do it because it's good. He doesn't... He does... I'm assuming he does it because it's good sometimes. I, I'm assuming he does it because it's good pretty regular, actually. But I don't necessarily know yeah. if it's the most efficient option to go Pikachu. So I'm assuming part of that was he, he was enjoying himself because he got his world's invite, I think, before that. I don't know, man. I don't have anything. See, I don't just be talking trash about players. That's just not how I feel. But I will say this, just as a fact. I think Ashton uses a lot of the stuff that he uses and practices with it to such a degree that he's able to beat people despite the fact that it's really bad. And he's able to just do stuff because he has so much experience with it. 
that you don't know what's happening. I think that if you look at basically any of his teams, if you look at the Typhlosion team, if you look at Pikachu, if you look at like basically any team from any time, he's able to beat a lot of people because he just plays a lot of games with stuff that a lot of people don't know what the heck is happening. There's a Choice Scarf Sock on the field. Like, what the mm-hmm. heck? Nobody has practiced against that. So I think uh, I don't want to like give him credit for the team, but I will give him credit for yeah, he plays so many games that he's able to beat people because he plays so many games. So I think don't look so far deep into his team and just say, yeah, this dude actually plays a lot of games and he's able to win just because he knows the first few turns of the match how he wants to play them and you have no idea what's happening. Yeah, I think there's a lot of benefit there. You don't know what Pikachu is there for necessarily. You don't know um, this and he knows the, all the calcs and he's done it before. Yeah. Yeah, the the issue with that, um, and, and you're completely right, but what makes running teams like that even harder is when your opponent doesn't know what you're doing, it's a lot harder to figure out how they're going to respond to it. Because a clueless opponent, you you never know what they're going to do. Um, well, that's actually not entirely true. Because one of the things that a lot of people, because this is in fighting games, there's a lot of like you know characters that people call like gimmick characters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. At uh, on the surface, like let's say in Street Fighter Cross Tekken, there was a character Kuma. Like he's literally a bear, or it's actually a she. But the, the nobody really knows what the heck is happening. But if you actually play that character, people kind of have certain tendencies when they don't know what's happening. You can like categorize categorize them into like oh when people panic. You know, they, they go for whatever their, their setup is, like, you know, the fake out in, in Tailwind or whatever, whatever their basic safest play is so that they don't have to figure out what you're doing. So once you can kind of understand how different types of people react to something that they have no idea what's happening, it actually, it only takes you maybe like the first turn to figure out, oh, this is this kind of person that plays really safe against stuff that they don't know. Or this is the person that starts trying to snipe everything all over the place because they have no idea what's happening. Once you can, like, really categorize them after, like, the first turn, it's actually not really random uh, how your opponent reacts. It's actually really interesting. I think that's something that uh, a lot of people can look into using teams that are just, like, weird, is there actually is some psychology to, like, how people react. Yeah, but, uh, again, turn one, like, even team preview it makes team preview so much harder because you don't know what they're actually going to lead into you. Um, having run a, a lot of not common teams myself. It, you run some weird stuff, Fidget. Yeah it, yeah. it becomes an issue trying to see like, oh yeah, if I were them, I would definitely lead these things into this, but I'm not, and they're going to lead something completely different. Mm-hmm. It's like, that. that's obviously their safest play there, but then they just don't do it. Yeah. Or sometimes they do. I think that could that could be beneficial because if they're playing like in a non-optimal way, even if you guess wrong, it's like, well, that's not really their best play anyway. So that could like backfire for them if they're doing like some like for instance, if they lead something that is normally not how their team is supposed to run, then in the long run, they were getting in a worse position. So I think I think it could work out for both people. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, right. but a, a lot of times seeing something that like, oh, if they lead these things, I will auto lose if I lead these, so I shouldn't take those, and then of course they don't bring them. Yeah, you, you always and have that situation where you get so it's hard to see something, those. you build yeah. it up in your head, and then you definitely do the wrong thing. Uh, so I'm going to combine these last two questions from Jake VGC. That, that's, I believe that's Jake Rosen, and then uh-huh. Miku uh, Miku Dere, or um, I believe that's Adit. Um, 
asking Jake asking, what do you find to be the most effective smear counters? How do they fit on common teams? And then uh, we already addressed, I think, whether or not Smeargle will actually become banned unequivocally. Probably not. Um, no. But most effective Smeargle counters, how they fit on common teams. I know we talked about Crobat. Anything else? Um, I like Sableye. I like Mewtwo. Mewtwo is fun. Um, Wait, and Conkle Dirt. Card with Mewtwo? Yeah. Okay. Um, I had Safeguard, and I had, um, on an earlier version, I had Disable. Huh. That's different. That's, that's really so interesting. people just calm down and just, like, put Lum on a lot more stuff, I don't think you have to use, like, for instance, if you're using Double Primals, obviously you're kind of stuck. But if you're using things like Mewtwo, if you're using Ho-Ho, if you're using Lugia, which aren't even necessarily terrible, like, it's not going to kill you to put Lum on Lugia. Like, I mean, you could put Life Orb on it if you want, but you could just put, like, Lum and, like, Icy Wind or Tailwind or whatever. Like, there's so, there, if you, Lum is, like, so overlooked. I'm not sure why, like, it's not like, oh, dude, stop Dark Void, don't go to sleep. I, I don't know. It's just for me, as an outsider looking in, I don't really get it. Why it's, like, if you know that Smeargle's still around, why there's not, like, more Lums. I just, I don't get it. No, that makes sense. Um, substitute 2, really good move if you're using faster Substitute. Although it's risky to use Substitute against uh, Xerneas, which being paired with Smeargle. You sort of give your opponent a little bit of momentum in, for getting it back the next turn, falling turns. I would also be wary because anything that's passive against Smeargle, Moody happens, and then yeah. that's never good. Yeah, you don't want to be you don't want to give your, give your opponent the chance to get evasion boosts and speed boosts and all that jazz. I don't know why that's in the game, dude. Yeah, Moody is one of those things. <laughs> I, I've not had fun with Moody ever. I, Has anybody had fun with Moody? I, I don't get it, um, right? Like, I, I think even the people that use it don't have fun with it. because then Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, well, actually, maybe they do. Maybe that's the thing. Your opponent goes into TR and you're like, all right, I'm faster than a Salamence, then you get a speed boost. <laughs> oh, man. What? Yeah, maybe, maybe that's what you would Maybe that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, maybe that, yeah. That's true, that's true. All right. All right. So, okay, I, I don't so, think there's a particular. I, I think you, they're easier to fit in the common teams than you think, Jake. And I think that's pretty much true. I think Smeargle. I think we're actually going to see it fall off. And I'd like to toot to my own horn and say that the real problem in this metagame is the primals, which are going to. No, be man. Is that a man, problem? Man, this would last for like a, a whole problem. hour if we had to go into that, man. Because that's crazy. So the thing with them being legal. I don't like it. <laughs> okay. It's not fun. See, this is the kind of stuff, man. If we would have started it off like this, man, oh, man. Uh, you wouldn't have had a chance. But see, now i got to let you off the hook because we're running too long. <laughs> but I can't believe you just said that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I've, I've written a whole post about it. I, oh, I read it. Yeah. I can't believe you wrote that. Okay. I, I still think <laughs> No, it was, it was thoughtful. It was thoughtful, man. Do you, do you, I, I guess you would disagree then? I disagree. Okay. No, because check it out. I'll just, I'll just do real quick. Just real quick. Mm -hmm. uh, primals allows for, like, a consistent kind of strategy. Right. Like, there's not, like, no matter if you like or hate that kind of strategy, it is there. Smeargle's biggest issue that people have is that it is, takes away the consistency from everything else in the game. Because of Moody and because of Dark Void and because of the fact that you have to compensate for it, which makes you so much weaker against the rest of the game, which the Primals don't do. The Primals don't do it like that. You can still stop Primals and still beat 
other stuff. In general, if you can beat Primal Kyogre or Groudon, then you're probably pretty well equipped to beat something like Zekrom or Reshiram or Mewtwo or something because you'll probably just have good stats and you'll probably just have good typing in general. Right. Smeargle is something that's completely different that's not... I don't think... I, I, don't, I don't think that the primals are hurting the game just because they exist. I think that might... Yeah, I, I, I definitely understand that conclusion. There's such a thing as healthy centralization. Um, yes. And that's that was some stuff that happened, that has happened in metagames prior. Generally, when you get to centralization, the game becomes more interesting because you see how people beat the centralized versions of the game. So I, I totally understand. And, like, I agree with your point. They're just really common. <laughs> there's a lot of them. I won't. Yeah, there's a lot of them. I, I, but that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting dynamic to the metagame, and if you like long animations, then more power to you. <laughs> Alright. Right. Is that everything we need, to, we need to talk about? I think that is all for this episode. Um, anybody have stuff you want to plug? Um, hmm. Yeah, I'll go ahead and uh, Twitter at badintentvgc and uh, twitch.tv slash msync because I'm the original msync I haven't streamed yet but I'm going to start streaming as soon as Pokemon comes out it's going to be all kinds of awesome all kinds what do you have for a stream setup? Uh, I have uh, OBS I have um, an Elgato HD60 okay and I'm getting stream art but it's not done yet so uh, yeah it should it should be pretty cool I think alright sounds great cool. I will look for that. Um, yeah, I'll be putting up YouTube videos too. So. If if I don't have a lot of CP going to nationals this year, I may experiment with ways of streaming prep prior. <laughs> um, okay, because I think that that'd be interesting to see how I if if I change, <laughs> if I get better, if that's noticeable. Watch the mental breakdown happen. What I, in it real has time? A, um, prior to 2015 nationals, the general public doesn't know about this, but I was at Oliver Valenti's house. Uh, in Texas, which is far from North Carolina. And I was, uh, it was, it was 1 a.m., 12 a.m., 1 a.m., uh, and I was trying to figure out how to play Gardevoir. Because I had liked Gardevoir, but I couldn't make the team work. And I ended up crying on a beanbag chair for approximately an hour. Yeah. <laughs> and sending a message <laughs> to Anosh and being like, what's even good? And he's like, Polytoad. And I'm like, oh, right, Polytoad. I used that. And it was, it was all good. <laughs> okay. Saddest experiences of my life. <laughs> well, it worked out. It, 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 it there, but I'm there's legitimately a mental breakdown at some point. <laughs> That's bad. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, my my Twitter. If you want to follow me before I have a mental breakdown and observe the changes, um, is at Dim Sunlight. I generally tweet stuff from events, bad jokes, and thoughts about current events. Uh, as you can probably tell from this podcast, I'm definitely not always right, but sometimes a point of view is helpful. So, if you find that interesting, feel free. Alright, and I am still Dr. Underscore Fidget on Twitter. I am always right. Oh. I can, I it, can support I, this. If you, if you listen to some of the earlier episodes from this season, like, I, I'm feeling real good about those right now. <laughs> Were they were Just, they all right? Pr- pretty much. Yeah. Um, I'm still waiting for Lugia to start getting a little bit of use, but I'm working on that. It. That'll happen. 
I've actually been building a Lugia team while we had this podcast. Okay. I think it's pretty pretty cool. It has really good stat board. So underexplored. It has such a good special defense. It's pretty good against Groudon. Like, it's clean against it. Pretty superb, yeah. There's not much Groudon can even do. Anyway, until next time, I'm Sam. I'm Toller. I'm Batman. And we will see you next time on The Lava Pool.